0: This is what we're offering you Today we know we're asking you to throw your life away Don't sweat it, forget it You'll thank us in a while cause we're helping you out We've got your best interests in mind Okay, there we go. Welcome to the Nicholas Comics Q&A Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, A lot of interesting stuff has gone on this week. Uh, This was a spicy week, let me tell you. There are quite a few threads that, uh, that I would like to cover. First, I'd like to point out that My account Nicholas has comics fifty two was suspended on. Oh no, you're threatening to post or posting personal information, and uh, this is the comment they link to. I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I think I post. I think I post my address consensually, but I guess Reddit is too stupid to tell the difference. Uh, Yeah, they just link to this, uh, which they think is justification to ban me from one of. You know, the biggest websites on the internet. Get a life Reddit. You know, I think they have a large penis. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Something Freudian like that. That said, uh, this account Nicholas has, Comics 52, has some really interesting threads on it. Uh, Neil Sisyphus, for instance. Uh, one fellow says, so so first i post zeus to the american gods subreddit and they don't like this cuz zeus isn't a character on american gods how was i supposed to know um, so then i then i post this photo which absolutely is relevant of neil neil gaiman as sisyphus uh, futilely trying to, trying to come up with a good idea uh, down in the underworld so since it has neil gaiman you know it's it's perfectly relevant it's removed now because Reddit hates relevancy and, and, and good content like this. But a Nine Pound Mustache says, And sadly, you're back. Your other account seems to have been deleted and or banned. Also, as much as you hate on Neil and Alan Moore, they are quite, quite more successful than you will ever be. Even though you're simply 18, I don't see you having much of a future in the comic business. Stick to your day job, Bud. So then I say, I don't have a day job, sir. This is my career, and I'm 100% dedicated to it. Neil and Alan are overrated cheese bags, and I really capture that in this drawing here. Not only does he gotta push these giant versions of his books uphill all day, he also has to scoop Cerberus's poop. That's quite the task. And to add insult to injury, we have that little imp down there flipping him off. That's on this pretty epic uh, then this fellow says, "My thoughts are that Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore are simply overrated to you." Yeah, he is pretty upset. It's freaking sad, you know. I insult his favorite author, and he's like, "But I love Neil Gaiman. He is my favorite. I, wi- I wish I could. I wish I could kiss him on no the lips." But anyway, he says. Or insecure with the thought that there are those out there who are better than you because you have this complex, this ego, that your comics are the greatest thing since sliced bread. The last young Nicholas, they're not. Your drawings appear to be that of the same caliber my brother draws, and he's still in elementary school. Some of us just weren't born with that magic, artistic touch, and that's fine, but we don't go- need to go and bring a witch hunt to those who are actually quite talented. Once you see this yourself... Once you notice that your art is simply mediocre, and the epics that people like Gaiman, Moore, and others have come up with is something to cherish, then you'll understand. You'll then understand that you are but a speck on the ass-cheek of said writers. So He's, like, waving his fist at the frickin', he's waving his fist at the skies, uh... He wants wants me to understand how insignificant I am. So then I say, Neil Gaiman is bad at writing, bad at TV, bad at comics, bad at everything he's done. He's an utter failure, and he ought to have tomatoes thrown at him. Nicholas Comics could bring down Neil Gaiman's fecal empire any day. I bet the Sandman would quiver and piss his little Hot Topic pants in fear if he saw all the epic content being produced up in this ass. The Nicholas Comics Army is the fastest-growing army on the internet, and we will obliterate the likes of Douglas Adams, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, and Alan Moore. They will be chained to the stocks, and all manner of rotten vegetable will be tossed upon them until they smell of swine, at which point the feral blowhards will be let loose in the hog pen and allowed to snuff about in the grime until they're let off to the slaughterhouse. Rest assured, sir, Nicholas Comics are so snazzy that they put American gods to shame. When you read a Nicholas comic, you'll wonder what the hell you were so caught up in. Mr. Wednesday craps himself when he sees Nicholas Comics on the horizon ready to destroy Gaiman's reputation. And that's the Nicholas Comics guarantee. I suggest you get with the Times and start sending in for some Nicholas Comics. You'll be glad you did. They're superb. And then this fellow says seem to be an up-and-coming neckbeard. On top of this, you can't help but talk shit about those who are very successful and have this hallucination that your army or company will be equally successful. I've been to your site, sir. You can't even use a proper domain since you wouldn't be able to afford it. You've got to use a free one! And the content I see on there, if I were to get a comic myself, I'd be making you pay me rather than the other way around. I already reported you to the moderators of the sub. I've seen that you've gone through quite a few different accounts because you keep on having your accounts deleted. I wonder why. So this one may just as well be a history in the making. Farewell. I try talking sense into you, but it just goes in one ear and out the other. Hopefully you don't treat your parents with such disdain and disrespect. I don't know. I am funnier than Terry Pratchett, but there are a lot of fellows who I'm not as funny as, like like James Joyce or something, L- like a real writer. But anyway, I say... When you treat me with disrespect, sir, I treat you with the same. You're an unmitigated douchebag, sir. Poor shaming me, telling me how shit my art is, telling me that my work has no value. You're a horrible person. Do you think you display courtesy and respect? You don't, sir. You're a giant asshole. Imagine being so sensitive about some drunk wino in England who writes schizophrenic fantasy novels and sips lattes. Imagine the sort of hero worship you've got to possess to defend someone's honor to the grave like that. It's my right to ridicule and mock Neil Gaiman as much as I want, sir, and I do a pretty gosh darn good job at it. You've never drawn anything like this, and your allegorical brother hasn't either. You're not an artist, you're not a novelist, and you haven't worked on a show, so piss out. I personally have done all three, so I can testify and confirm that Neil Gaiman is a plague on pop culture. I hope he overdoses on Stardust soon. Then the Nicholas Comics Empire will be ready to go. That's a, an interesting little thread on my Neil Neil Sisyphus post. I'm not you, no, you didn't say this. Uh, it was it was a fellow on the American God subreddit. It, it wasn't you. Uh, it was it was someone on Reddit. Sorry if that was confusing, but I got to say these fellows on Reddit are excellent uh, comedic fodder because they they really have interesting threads. I've never heard anyone to the defense of like uh, an American satirist like Kurt Vonnegut or Tom Robbins. I've never heard anyone be like, Kurt Vonnegut is such a genius. I can't get enough of Kurt Vonnegut all day, Kurt Vonnegut every single day. And I think this is because there's a big difference between British satire and American satire. That being that the American satirist is incredibly humble. I read a, a Kurt Vonnegut novel, and I feel like... Kurt Vonnegut is just a guy just talking to me. I can imagine just drinking some, you know, just popping one open and looking out the, you know, I feel like Kurt Vonnegut is a sort of author who's just so, so down to earth and respectable. Uh, And this is the difference between the American psyche and the British psyche. The British feel they need to provide the answers to everything, whereas the Americans acknowledge that there are no answers to everything because the British psyche is founded on the idea that God gave the queen the power and now she's a superwoman and she, you know, she has these magic stuff and, you know, King Arthur, sword in the stone, all that lot. Uh, Whereas we admit we just elect, you know, a human to the to the position of leader. So that's kind of the difference. And it's it's very reflected in the kind of work the British put out, yeah, Merlin. I mean, Merlin is basically God when you really think about it, and this goes all the way to modern modern British literature. With a, uh, let me th- with a with a real fantasy novel like Lord of the Rings, yeah, J.R.R. Tolkien's British, but that's why Lord of the Rings is so good because it it breaks away from what came before it. Uh, Lord of the Rings is like. Uh, you know, just Middle Earth, there's no answers to anything. It's a complex world uh, where the answers aren't e- are always so easy to come across. And that's why people like it, because Middle Earth is cool you know, And uh, all the characters are well-rounded. Then you got something like Terry Pratchett's Discworld, which is this stuck-up bullshit where it talks about the world being flat. What if it was on turtles and the turtles was on elephants and they were all on a glacier? What if it's all turtles all the way down, you know? Don't bother with that shit. Uh, that gets old really fast. All this flat Earth stupid shit. Uh, so he's not funny. He's just he's just he's just saying. Oh, I wouldn't say Discworld's fantasy world is as interesting as Middle Earth because everything is a joke. That's how British literature often is. Uh, everything has got to be a joke. Nothing can be legitimate world building. Everything's got to be the world's is the biggest gag. Uh. Again, this ties back to the British psyche. Over here in America, we have Star Trek and Star Wars, franchises about human problems with human characters that are well-developed. Over in Britain, their sci-fi hero is Doctor Who, uh, you know, this immortal space god that can manipulate time and everything because that's what the Brits love. They love an authority figure to look up to because they feel weak and insignificant under the monarchy. You can be a fan of both Doctor Who and Star Trek, but you Should understand that there are differences between them because one is made in America and one is made in Britain. So, yeah, in one the characters are human, and in the other, uh, the the character is this magic, this magic uh, super superhuman guy in a in a phone booth, and he goes around. And he's like, "I'm gonna fix everything. I'm gonna fix the universe, baby. I'm I'm freaking, I'm the freaking coolest ma- guy who's ever lived. I'm super alien. I'm gonna I'm gonna freaking." Fix the world. So that's that's the difference, mainly. Uh, th- this can be seen in uh, in basically all of them, really. Uh, for instance, I'm, I'm looking for another thread here. Oh yeah, f- affectionate leg. I was going to read some of his stuff because it's pretty funny. But uh, this is the difference. Is uh like. Yeah, I mean, Doctor Who is just this crappy show that the Brits were like, oh, American sci fi is popular. Look, we can do it also. We can make, like, we can rip, we can just say, hey, what if, like, there was this crazy guy in a phone booth and he fought the spooky monsters and it was so crazy? They have such a low budget that that one of the villains are just statues. They just buy freaking angel statues and prop them up they they move around or what it's like filmed on a budget of, of 2 dollars uh so i can't respect it you know star trek was not low budget at first came out but it definitely is is an underappreciated piece of Americana, and i think star wars has has kind of claimed its throne star trek deserves so much more respect than doctor who uh like yeah it's been going on for like I don't think Star Trek did rip off the idea of the Borg. I think I think the Cybermen are like these little tin man robot things. I mean, again, you can say like uh, the Cybermen ripped off Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet, which is way freaking better than Doctor Who if you've ever seen Forbidden Planet. Watch Forbidden Planet. It's really great. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't say the Borg ripped off. I'd say I'd say the Brits just love ripping things off from America and then saying they came up with it. Oh, we invented science fiction. Well, I guess they kind of did because H. G. Wells was was British. But uh, you got Neil Gaiman you know you got the american superhero superman he's very humble you know he 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 has so many powers but he but he prefers to remain you know respected and and he says look i have flaws i was born from a Yeah, resistance is useless resistance is futile i would say you know there's an episode of lost in space with a similar phrase uh, war of the robots where one of the characters is like don't resist but uh you know I mean, a catchphrase isn't all that, that goes into being a ripoff. The Cybermen are not the Borg. I'm sorry, they're not the same thing. Uh, but yeah, there's. Uh, let me see, list of Lost in Space episodes, and uh, I know Star Trek definitely didn't rip off Lost in Space because Lost in Space is tra- is trash. But uh. I, I did a video about that this month. Yeah, they're not very similar. The Cybermen are like these stupid robot things. that they, they look stupid. All the Doctor Who aliens look really dumb. But, uh... I mean, look at these guys. You think these are the frickin' Borg? Guess what? Yeah, they're, yeah but these aren't the Borg. Sorry. Those, aren't, those have nothing in common with the Borg. They're just little robot guys. Uh... And, again, I don't hate, like, simple robots. I like Robbie the Robot. He's, like, my favorite freaking cinema automaton. Uh, Robbie the Robot is dope, but those Cybermen, those suck. Yeah, kind of like how the Daleks are basically exactly the same as R2-D2, but with an annoying, screechy voice. Exterminate! I'm British, and I've got to try really hard to be be, to be interesting because exterminate so they gotta sound like parrots on crack uh but it's the same it's just uh lost in space there are plenty of examples in sci-fi of someone yeah that's what the daleks are they're just little r2d2 ripoffs oh they're murder machines yeah they're just r2d2 with an annoying voice oh they're murder machines oh. you know it sounds very, very special when you say it like that. Uh, no, it's not War of the Robots. It's um, I got the list here. That's a, that's a pretty good impression of a Delic. I can do it good. Hey, I'm a Dalek! I'm crazy! I'm a murder machine! Turn me on! I'm a murder machine! Yeah, yeah Wreck of the Robot. That's the one. Uh, years before the Borg from Star Trek coined the phrase "Resistance is futile," the Sattacon told the robot, "Resistance would be futile." I really don't like Doctor Who, and the same goes for the Sandman. Like I was saying, Neil Ga... Whereas Superman is this very humble, you know, down-to-earth guy. You could kick back and open a and open a Pabst with him. You know, you could, you could just. Shoot the shit, you know, because he's a very likable superhero, because he's so so human, you know. That's why people like him. Neil Gaiman's character, the Sandman, is this epic, superpowered, oh man. He he's a he's edgy and he can control everything. He he pulls the strings behind the scenes, man. He's a he's a total he's a total rebel without a cause. I haven't seen either of the Doctor Who's. I think they're both really bad. I think that's what ha- what's hap- I think that's what happens when you when you run a show for fifty years without like any uh, you know just season after season after season. I think that's what ha- I think that's what happens. Well, I do. I guess I don't like Britain. I like some British authors, like I like uh, Jared Tolkien. I like uh, H. G. E. Wells. Uh, both of those guys are great. I don't like P.G. Wodehouse. I don't like uh, I don't like Neil Gaiman, Alan Moore, Terry Pratchett, all the new guys. Douglas Adams, H.G. Wells. I really like H.G. Wells. I guess it's just because he's a real writer. Uh, P.G. Wodehouse. I guess it's just that he's not funny. The British aren't funny because they're boring. Because you know they live in a boring country where it rains all the time, so you can't have much fun from that. Uh but yeah it's the same with with the sandman you know this superpowered overpowered freaking god of everything uh you got Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the uh, Galaxy where it says what is the answer to life the universe and everything guess what Douglas Adams there isn't one deal with it uh your sci-fi book doesn't have to answer that and if there is it's definitely not math uh you got uh like I said, Discworld, this stupid, pretentious bullshit. And uh, Alan Moore, Watchmen, you know. I, th- I think one of the best examples is probably SNL versus Monty Python. Uh, you can tell from the theme songs, you know. Like SNL is very good American-type satire. You know, it's, it's, it's not full of dumb shit. And uh, the, the theme song is this original saxophone. And uh, it sounds great. It sounds like, oh, man, I'm in for a funny time. But then you listen to Monty Python. It's this, you know, classical imagery. Oh, man, it's a renaissance foot coming down. And oh, man, it's the Liberty Bell March. And some would say that they chose the Liberty Bell March because uh, they wanted to be random and quirky. But I say it's because they're British and they just happen to like classical music more than contemporary. Uh, Just a guess. Uh I don't think Monty Python's that funny. Their their biggest sketches. Think this parrot is dead and then uh the other guy's saying I think the parrot is not dead. Nah, they're not that funny. SNL's a lot funnier. Uh In Living Color's really funny, but I never hear anyone talk about In Living Color. It's pretty sad. I think it's cuz too many people are watching Monty Python. In Living Colors a very underrated sketch show. Uh then you got, uh, yeah, movies are, are okay. I can't really identify with them because all the characters are British. I don't get any of the jokes. As an American, I like watching movies set in America. Uh, unless there's a movie from, like, an underrepresented country like Korea. I saw Parasite. It was fun. Uh, not enough Korean movies. Now, I, I think Britain acting like they're some kind of victimized minority, bullshit. They, they are one of the most controlling and just. They have a huge persecution complex over there. They have never had to deal with being underrated on a global st- stage, except now, you know, because now the world is moving on without them, I guess. Uh. Yeah, Korean horror movies are pretty good, but I don't think they're better than American horror movies. It's just a matter of taste. As an American, I like watching movies in America because I can identify with it more. But I'm sure a Korean fellow going in for a Korean horror movie is fun for him, you know, because he he knows the language, he gets all the references. You know, I don't live there, so I wouldn't know. Anywho, uh, yeah, I like Parasite. Parasite was really good uh not like amazing or anything but yeah i am glad parasite won the uh, won the award instead of once upon a time and there was a lot of shit in 2019 so it's it's good that that parasite got the recognition it deserves cuz it was it was at least a competent movie in a year of garbage of of quentin tostino's uh but that said what, what else is a good instance of of uh, british elitism in media I read, I read like tom robbins or kurt vonnegut or, or ken casey and by gosh they make writing a novel seem really really easy like for instance uh the entire frame the entire plot of still life with woodpecker happens w- when tom robbins buys a new typewriter and he just sits right down he says i'm gonna get i'm gonna get my money's worth out of this baby and I don't know if this is true or not, but but uh, the whole book is just set in one night of him writing, like, uh, over a 100,000-word novel. And, you know, it, it can be hard to, to, to commit yourself like that. But, by gosh, he makes it seem easy, as does Kurt Vonnegut and uh, all the other great American satirists. You know, because they, they really just, like, when you're reading, they just say, hey, I'm here, you know. They break the fourth wall all the time. It's a good, fun romp, because you know that... Yeah, you don't read shit. Have you, have you ever even looked at Kurt Vonnegut, or what Kurt Vonnegut puts, puts out? Like, this is why I think uh, there are a lot of articles about the Sandman being adapted into a Netflix series. And the thing about British satire is, since everything is a joke, or an allegory, or a metaphor, or whatever... Uh, It's really easy to adapt because all you've got to do is get some people, put them in funny costumes, exterminate! And, uh, you know, you got, oh man, it's Mad Sweeney the Leprechaun, oh man, he's battling Odin, he's battling the physical manifestation of of media, he's battling the technical boy. Uh, But over here in America, satire is a lot deeper than that. It actually has to try things. Like, uh, Breakfast of Champions, for instance, it's told in a very nonlinear style. Uh, it, it starts out like it, it deals with this this uh, car salesman and Kilgore Trout. They're both in it. Uh, Dwayne Hubler or something, I forget. But uh, Breakfast of Champions is really good. Uh, now, really good satire that's written by an actual writer. When you read it, you'll understand it. But after it, you're not you're not sure exactly what it was about, because that's just how deep it is. Uh, a book by by like Kurt Vonnegut or Tom Robbins or something manages to be deep because there's so much stuff in there that you have to wonder, Could I write this like, is it really this simple or is it actually hard? Does Kurt Vonnegut actually know something? I don't Um that's what makes American satire great. I would say is is the fact that you really have to read it. You can't just half-ass it. And that's also why Kurt Vonnegut's books and uh, you know Tom Robbins's books haven't been adapted. Because yeah, Kurt Vonnegut does like George Orwell. You can't win them all, you know. Kurt Vonnegut has some bad taste, but his books are really good. And I prefer to judge the art, not the artist. So. That said, I would say uh, the really great thing about uh, Americans, there were there were movies made off of vonnegut's some of vonnegut's books, and they look really bad. Uh, and this is because you can't you can't adapt uh, American satire because it's so complex and so hard to understand. This is Breakfast of Champions from 1999 with. Um, Bruce Willis looks awful. I would not watch this. It looks like shit. And uh, it's clearly just trying to cash in on his name. Yeah, look at this breakfast of champions looks horrible. I wouldn't watch that. I can understand people not being into that. You know, that doesn't mean the book is bad. It just means the book can't be stuffed into two hours of, of film film reel. You know, it's a it's a it's a complex book. So you actually have to think when you read it. And you and and the the plots of these books are so surreal sometimes that you really just yeah. But this isn't ironic. It's trying to be an adaptation of Vonnegut's work. Uh, the one adaptation everyone says is good is Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, I've read Slaughterhouse Five. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if anyone can do Slaughterhouse Five justice, but it. Uh... It is kind of an, an early adaptation, so it's kind of less crap, you know. It actually was made, I think, uh, yeah, like three years after the book was published, so it was more relevant. Uh, this Breakfast of Champions book looks awful. Another a good example is Slapstick. Slapstick is really funny. Uh, is it, a really funny book, and it does way better at, at post-apocalypse than, like, Mad Max or anything, because... Uh, yeah, uh, slapstick. It's really, really funny. Uh, it, it's better than Mad Max. It's like, it's so funny. Uh, but I mean, you haven't read this. You just read Neil Gaiman because you're like, oh, he's 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 he's, he's British, so he's got to be good. Have you have you read Slaughterhouse Five? Because Slaughterhouse Five is like a good book, even if. I don't think I don't think the uh, I, don't, I don't think the movie can even really compare maybe it's good I think the book is like a hundred times better because you just can't get better than uh than Ervonica. and even when he's writing about this very this very intense event like the bombing of Dresden uh, it, it's funny I know what it is he's just a very funny guy <laughs> And uh, he's dead now because nobody nobody uh, appreciated his work enough and nobody tried to adapt it faithfully. But then again, that is really hard to do because he's so freaking smart and knows what funny is. And, uh, er, you know, Douglas Adams comes in. Oh, what if it's Zaphat Beeblebrox? It's a funny alien and he's got two heads and his name is Zaphat uh, Beeblebrox. Joseph Heller, Joseph Heller, you know, even, even like Ken Casey with uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, American Satire is always just written in a very down-to-earth, u type format, and it makes it so great. I can identify so much more with an author who isn't full of ass. Catch-22. I don't think Catch-22 is that good. It's, it's, it's kind of overrated. I think... Uh, I think Slaughterhouse Five is better. That that's just me. Catch twenty two is not that good. There's uh there's a show now of catch twenty two. I don't know, I'm just not that much into catch I think catch twenty two is uh it, it mainly keeps on because everyone calls everything a, a catch twenty two. What's wrong with Douglas Adams? Uh he's a pretentious stickler, that's what's wrong with him. Uh, he was the first Brit to say, Look, Americans, read my book. And everyone leaves Kurt Vonnegut behind. You know, they're reading Slaughterhouse Five. They're so into it. They're getting they're getting their brains big. And then Douglas Adams is like, look at Sapphire Beeblebrooks, the silly alien with the two heads. What what about this? You know, what, what about what about life, the universe, and everything? So that's what's wrong with Douglas Adams is that he's the first Brit who really tapped in. Uh, to the fact that Americans are gullible, and if something is foreign, they'll be like, "Oh man, this has to be good because it's British." Um, yeah, there's a There's a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, and I have no doubt that it is a it is an accurate adaptation of the uh, of the book because British satire, like I said, is very easy to adapt. I don't know. It has Alan Rickman and, uh, whatever. And, oh man, Arthur Denton is crazy. Yeah. There's a radio play. Oh man, I'm so sophisticated. It's a radio. It's a book or whatever. I don't, I don't even know. That's how confusing it is. You don't know if Hitchhiker's Guide is a radio play or a book. Here's, here's generally a good, a good measure of if a book is good. If it's titled something that it's not like, I think Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy would actually be funnier if it was just like a fictional in-universe guide to the galaxy instead of this stupid loaded novel with 500 characters you gotta keep track of and oh man it's Arthur dent he's so crazy and oh man look at Zaphod Beeblebrox the funny alien with the two heads uh, yeah there's a TV show there's a movie there's a radio play that for Kurt Vonnegut or Tom Robbins. This is the awful, crappy adaptation of Slapstick here. Look at this shit. Looks so awful. It's got Jerry Lewis. Dear God, you know, happened to him in his his later career. And uh, the exact same thing happens, of course, with Tom Robbins, because Tom Robbins' books are very disjointed and and uh, a linear and you know very very surreal they're, they're a lot of fun to read but they're not that fun to watch because the whole point is that they're designed to be a, a cerebral reading experience so there's a there's a movie version of even cowgirls get the blues and i personally cannot imagine it being good at all i don't think any of these movie adaptations are good but they keep trying which uh they really shouldn't they should just try and I don't know. I think the best thing to do is to buy the book and read it instead of watching these crappy, half-baked adaptations. Because uh, you just—they're never as good. They're never as good. Did you but, like the Lord of the Ring movies? About oh, that one, was, they're pretty good. The Ring movies. Lord of the Ring. Yeah. The Ring is the Ring is good. It's uh. Originally, originally Japanese. No, I was saying Lord of the and, Rings, uh, like a, Lord uh, of the Rings. Yeah, that's man. an epic. That's an epic adaptation. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, sure that, yeah, Lord of the Rings is good, but like a Discworld movie, that would suck because everything in Discworld is just a big joke meant to illustrate something about our world. Because we're, we're, uh, whereas J.R.R. Tolkien has the the brain capacity to imagine a separate world where things are different. Terry Pratchett is just like, what if it was like this corresponded to this in our world? What if there were like funny stuff that was like our world in the fantasy land? Wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, it's basically the plot of Onward, the crappy Shrek Shrek clone from Pixar. But anyway, uh, do you hate it when people enjoy movies you hate? Not really, but I I find it very hard to understand. Most often it's because they don't really understand the movie. They don't comprehend uh, how it came to be, how it came to exist. They just watch it because, oh man, it's British, so it must be incredible. Uh, And that's not how Neil Gaiman is. Uh, I have no doubt that Neil Gaiman would be easy to adapt. Uh, It's been done hundreds of times, and this is because... Uh, Everything in his books is like the most basic shit. Oh man, it's a leprechaun. Oh wow, there's a Discworld show? Yeah, I guess there would be. Over in Britain, they're really strapped for anything to hold on to. So they just make a movie and a TV show out of everything. Whole Discworld show. Gosh forbid. Uh, This happens to be the... Yeah, Discworld is the fantasy book series by Terry Pratchett, set on the Discworld, a flat plane balanced on the backs of four elephants, which in turn stand on the back of a giant turtle. Ha 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 So crazy and, and random. Uh, it's just like, holy shit, you know. There, there probably is some good uh, British literature, but I wouldn't know what it was, because it's all drowned out by this crap. Oh man, everything's a big joke. I guess I guess in Britain they can't just tell a fun story. It's not bad for fantasy to be insane, but it is bad if the fantasy is poorly developed. Uh like Middle Earth is I can buy into that cuz it's well developed and J.R.R. Tolkien knows how to make his universe feel real. The Discworld is just a joke. It's just a flat plane on a turtle for elephants oh man so quirky and random and there's because over in britain they're they're bored all the time so they they can't just make a fictional universe every fictional universe has got to be a joke that says something about the world yeah buddy doesn't understand it very much uh yeah fantasy is a fantasy is a tricky thing to pull off that's why harry potter isn't very good i, th- I think the only only fantasy novel I really, really, really like is Lord of the Rings. That's I, it basically defines the genre. So you can read Lord of the Rings and never read another fantasy book ever again, because that's just how good it is. That's how complete, developed, fleshed out all the characters are. Uh it is a complete it is a it is a genius uh work. That said, Uh, There are lots of examples of uh, British fellows trying to pretend as if their media is American. A good example is Watchmen, which, of course, is written by Alan Moore, but set in New York City. So everyone will see it and they'll be like, oh, it's an American superhero story. But it's not. It's written from the depressing British psyche where it rains all the time and everyone's evil and everyone's out to get you because they live under a monarchy. They feel persecuted. The world is moving too fast for them to understand. And, uh, you know. That's Watchmen. But I would say a better example is Baby Driver by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright is well known as the British fellow who who just, the Americans cannot get enough of. And I kid you not. Uh, some people actually think Shaun of the Dead is better than Night of the Living Dead. It's really sad. But it's a good example of Americans inventing something cool. And then the Brits say, "Well, what up you, man? Uh, Sean of the Dead where it's just this guy and he's British and his name is Sean. I can't accept that they're both great because one is like, you know, this groundbreaking revolutionary piece of cinema by George A. Romero and the other is this crappy ripoff uh, that tries to be funny. and it It tries to be both a comedy movie and a zombie movie and it fails at both because Edgar Wright doesn't understand what... No. Shaun of the Dead is not good. I'm I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, uh, just like how Lord of the Rings defines the fantasy genre, Night of the Living Dead is basically the only zombie movie you'll ever need to see. Most people would disagree with me, but that's because most people don't understand the impact of Night of the Living Dead, because all they've ever seen is Shaun of the Dead. Uh, and that's that's what I'm talking about. Ignorant people who don't understand that zombies are an American invention. They'd probably think uh, zombies are a British invention because Edgar Wright rips them off. He says, "You you thought America? Here's, here's the thing: How am I supposed to to care about a British zombie apocalypse? They're on an island, like, and everyone knows zombies can't swim, so." Why would I care? Why would I give a shit? They're isolated from the rest of the world. Um, I I think the concept of a zombie apocalypse is cool, and you know, it's on America because America is giant and uh, a lot can a lot can happen. You can have different regional type zombies. You know, you can have different cool stuff which isn't to say Zombieland is good. I think Zombieland is really stupid. And it it is kind of just a Shaun of the Dead clone just trying to be funny. As Zombieland is stupid, Shaun of the Dead is equally stupid. It's the same exact thing just in Britain. And uh, I don't care cuz it's in Britain. I made this funny fake movie poster about Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, you disagree, and that's because you don't understand that zombies are an American invention. And within the course of a month, George A. Romero frickin' invented the modern zombie. Uh, Edgar Wright didn't invent the zombie. He just took it and said, What if Sean, the funny guy, was uh, had a zombies near him? Wouldn't that be crazy? Wouldn't that be random? Oh man, zomb- zombies? But like, it's funny. Ah, uh, the tagline of the movie is literally a romantic comedy with zombies. Uh, you know, too much genre mashing, you'll end up with a with a crappy movie. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. I made this hilarious fake movie poster. Uh, it's really, it's really funny. Are you a Brit whose cultural relevancy on the global stage is slip-sliding away? And we got arrows pointing to the different zombies. Those filthy Americans. Those strange Muslims. Those bizarre Japanese. Like a real zombie movie, except it's funny and they're all British. Get ready for Britain to feel important again. Part of the incredible, groundbreaking, five-colorous Ricky Ovetto trilogy, directed by creative infallible genius Edgar Wright. It's automatically good. So, people such as yourself will accuse me of being, you know, this pretentious elitist, but you miss the real pretentious elitist, those being Edgar Wright, Neil Gaiman, uh, they are just like the most insufferable people I think it's possible to meet. I could I could not talk to Edgar Wright for a second because all his movies are so frickin' holier than thou. Um, Shaun of the Dead is probably his most disgusting movie just because it's so frickin' insufferable. You know, like, you got this great movie... Not even a great movie. you got a great trilogy. Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead are very good. They, they create the, the zombie genre as we know it. And then Edgar Wright comes in and he's like, what if it's funny now? And, like, it's it's uh, humorous. And, like, the, the zombies are... F- See... Like, have you ever thought that in Night of the Living Dead there's a African-American... Protagonist, and that was like revolutionary for the time. So maybe instead of worshiping this white par- this white parody where everyone's white and, and the humor is garbage because it's British, you instead admire the the movie that Dawn of the Dead's fine. Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, the Dead series kind of goes down after that. Night, like Dawn, and Day. Those are the those are the three good ones. It wasn't only good for its time it was it's a timeless movie it could just as easily be set today watch night of the living dead today it's still relevant and it's still good that is that is the sort of movie you can play every halloween and enjoy i'd of Shaun of the dead isn't funny because it's about 9 11 and it's been what 18 years since 9 11 i don't care about 9 11 anymore uh that's what that's what some people say is that Shaun of the Dead is a response to 9/11 which i wouldn't be surprised because even though it only affected americans you know the british are like we got to hop this trend baby we got to make something about 9/11 cuz uh you know so uh it's right on the wikipedia page it says uh it's res- it's about 9/11 or something that's the subtext it, it it's buried beneath all the crappy jokes but uh it says Um, that says, Film studies, the film is seen as a product of post-9-11 anxiety, as well as a model for transnational comedy. That's really sad. Because uh, it's not a good example for transnational comedy. It's only British, because it's made by British people with British actors, so it'll only be funny in Britain. Uh, where they understand this sort of thing, maybe it's not even funny in Britain. It's pretty crap. I can't imagine a British person sitting down to this garbage and liking it. Uh I just have American zombie movies and British zombie movies, and the yeah, you're not in Britain, and you thought it was funny, and that's only because Edgar Wright is uh, great at making you think that what isn't funny is funny. Sean is insufferable. I cannot stand the guy. I hope he gets eaten by the zombies is he is the most insufferable zombie movie protagonist ever uh the crew of night of the living dead is so much cooler i don't assume that i know it i look at sean i think oh man i'm in for a roller coaster here holy shit freaking simon Pegg, and it's based off this crappy sitcom spaced what if i was spaced um. Uh, yeah, Simon Pegg. Holy shit! What a Night of the Living Dead is really good. Uh, because all the characters are like so well developed, like all like all of them. Um, but, uh, Barbara, you know who's just great. You got, uh, yeah, you got Judith O'Dea's Barbara. Dwayne Jones has been the best protagonist in any zombie movie ever. uh, Unless you're an idiot who thinks Shaun of the Dead is the best zombie movie. Oh man, Sean. Uh, So you got, you got, then you got, um, uh, let me see. There's something in comic chat here. Is this a spooky Q and a? Yeah. It's the Halloween spooktacular. So you're going to be discussing Shaun of the Dead and Sandman and whatnot um you got barbara great character iconic and you got dwayne jones as Ben, the black guy who you know is like the coolest character in horror history and then you got the little the little white guy and this is what night of the living this is why night of the living dead is great it's both a great zombie movie and it's a great societal commentary and you can watch it as either You can watch it as a fun zombie romp because race isn't mentioned once or you can watch it as kind of a racial thing because you got a black guy and for the first time in cinema history he slaps a woman he shoots a white guy that's epic george a romero is breaking ground uh because at the time at the time oh proud boys yeah I bet they like, I bet they love Shaun of the Dead because it's all just these fucking crackers, all these Brits. Oh, man, you know, I'm so, oh, man. Uh, but but in Night of the Living Dead, the great thing is you got you got Dwayne Jones, who's this epic freaking portrayal of, you know. And the really great thing is his race is not mentioned once, which is very cool. He's just a character, you know, he's just a guy. And that's what's really great is it zero stigma. George A. Romero was such a progressive filmmaker that he's just like, I'm going to hire this black guy because he's a good actor. And uh, that's just how it went down. And people had to live with that. And that's why Night of the Living Dead is a classic. Uh, but yeah, in Night of the Living Dead the characters consist of Barbara, Dwayne Jones, and then you got um, a teenage couple who you represent kind of uh non-racist white people and then you got this this conservative type traditionalist couple and um the husband is this misogynistic racist he he, it's uh he doesn't exactly say he's a racist but he is a misogynist because he he pushes his wife around and tells her what to do and uh in i the living dead the black guy is the last one to survive which is nice I'm not gonna spoil the ending because it's too good, but um in nigh the living dead um uh, the uh the the main yeah um let me see a really great thing about uh, let me see Harry Cooper, yeah, this guy so this guy in uh yeah. In *Night in of the Living Dead*, the black guy is the only one who survives the night of the Living Dead, which is 1968. Like, let's not kid ourselves. This is groundbreaking shit here. But uh, in *Night of the Living Dead*, we have this tiny little little worm of a white guy who's this racist and misogynist. And uh, the whole movie, you're thinking, when is this guy gonna go? He's not gonna help against the zombies. All he is is a nuisance, and and crap. Yeah, he's the villain of the movie, because he's he's this little asshole. And I don't even know if this was intentional or not. I don't know if it was. Look at Sean of the Dead. Look at freaking Sean. Like, passing similarity, I'd say, you know? Yeah, they're both little little dweebs, little insecure men, little little, little Blood, so pathetic. Uh, l- let me see. Picture of Sean that looks. Per- it, they share a passing resemblance. Let us say. Yeah, here's here he is. You know, same exact shirt. They're both wearing. You know, these very business professional shirts. You know, because they're all uptight and boring. And uh, yeah, they kind of. I'm kind of seeing some. And some similarities there, you know. Just this insufferable I-don't-want-to-be-spending-the-zombie-apocalypse-with-this-guy-type deal. Um, that's what's really good about... Uh, it's not just that he's white. Like I said, Night of the Living Dead also has this progressive teenage-type couple who's uh, who's not racist or anything. Um, they are... um uh keith wayne as tom keith wayne so yeah george j romero isn't saying this guy is horrible because he's white he's saying he's horrible because he's annoying and gets in the way of making progress against fighting the zombies um so this is the the non this is the white guy that you're supposed to root for because he's young and hip and he you know i'd want to spend the zombie apocalypse with this guy he's chill but I don't want to spend the zombie apocalypse with this white racist little dweeb. Yeah, he's a hunk. He's a stud. Uh, but Sean isn't a stud, and neither is the little the little dweeb from Night of the Living Dead. They're both, you know, uh, weak and, and small and pathetic. Definitely an intentional choice on Romero's part, I'd have to say. And probably in, in a choice uh, by Edgar Wright that he didn't even consider that Sean looks so much like this little dweeb. Uh, but but he does, like, a lot. So much. So yeah, Shaun of the Dead isn't good. A good uh, uh, but I'd say the best example of Edgar Wright's career is that... Um, I, I'd say the best example is probably Baby Driver. Uh, he realizes with his Hot Fuzz movie that maybe Americans can't identify with that because it's set in Britain... You know, or they have a law enforcement agency named after another country, Scotland Yard. Like, you know, they have so little pride in their law enforcement division, they name their uh, headquarters after a, another country. But uh, you know, he sees Hot Fuzz and he thinks, "Oh, the Americans won't get this because it's set two, three thousand miles away." So instead, he says. He makes Baby Driver with an all-American cast, and it's set in America. So the average American viewer will think, oh, it's an American movie. Uh, But it's not, because it's directed by Edgar Wright, and uh, everything about it is British. And uh, it's not even good. I bet Taxi Driver could beat Baby Driver's ass. Yeah, Travis Bickle. Martin Scorsese is much better at a crime drama than Edgar Wright ever will be uh but edgar wright thinks he can he's like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be the best movie maker ever and i'm gonna freaking dominate the industry uh and it doesn't work because he doesn't know how to make a movie if he ever does know how to if neil gaiman or edgar wright or any of these guys ever make something that i legitimately think is a fun watch i would i would know but I don't think Ed Wright ever is going to make a movie that's better than something like an American comedy, like Caddyshack. I never hear anyone talking about, oh man, Caddyshack, groundbreaking shit. I love Caddyshack. I never hear anyone saying, like, Blues Brothers, oh man, I want to watch Blues Brothers a hundred times on repeat. Blues Brothers is the ultimate buddy crime movie. All oh, they're ever saying is, sh- John of the Dead hot fuzz so good i gotta watch it a hundred times um so again i i don't only hate uh people who are more popular than me that's a common misconception i just hate people who make an inferior product and then people buy it up and they're like oh man i'm gonna make i'm gonna make bank off this sucker uh without further ado i have made a copy pasta Based on *Shaun of the Dead*, so I'm gonna read that now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it now because I've I, I uh, I've already read it a few times, but it's really good. I think it could catch on. I'll copy pasta it here so you can read along. I think this has some copy pasta potential. Okay, I've uh, posted it to r/slash copy pasta. And uh, it hasn't been removed or anything, which is good because I think I think this is a Halloween delight. All right, this is a uh, this is kind of um, this kind of copied from a from a few little scrolls I made. Uh, so anyway, there it is. Scroll up a little uh, to see it. Oi, governor, i I'm sipping my tea when all of a sudden these zombies is starting to attack me so by jove it's too many zombies and I become Shano the Deads. It's a bloody zombie apocalypse if there ever wasn't. It's a bloody funny comedy where me and my mate Eddie go around and we fight them zombies and it is just a bloody good romp in general. Cause like, there's zombies where you wouldn't normally be expecting no zombies. What are you saying? I is Shano the Deads. From Lancastershire to Romping Kingsley, ye can't find no better zombie hunters than me and my good mate Ed. We saved the day by Jove. I has become O' the Deads. We've been contracted as the best zombie hunters in the land, we as. And you won't be finding no better zombie movie in a million years if it were a day. We also go in for a good pub crawl, me and Ed do, and we get bloody smashed, ho-ho. Nothing funnier than me after a good pint of whiskey. I start being a racist, ho-ho. I'm a Brit, and it don't make no sense that them damn Yankees be getting all the zombies, so me and Ed, we show them corpses up, we do, and we does a fine spotty job of it as well, we do, a bloody genius slaughter. Yo, mate, I was getting bloody smashed with my mate Eddie, so we goes down to Wilford Amshire, and Ed says, look, it's a zombie, and I thought, oh, Ed. You're being ironic. But as it turned out, it was actually a living dead. A corpse that ain't no more in the ground. And it was pretty frightening, let me tell you. And me and Ed became Sean of the Deads. So, epic copy pasta, of course. That's going to be a freaking... That's going to be a classic. Yeah, pint of whiskey. I don't know what it means either, but... uh, That should be... that. I think that could catch on. It's Halloween, so... Copy that around if you want. It could get pretty big. It is a lot of whiskey, but you know the British—they, they—the favorite hobby of theirs is the pub crawl. They go around, they get drunk, and when you know when their inhibitions are lifted, they can talk about how how filthy those Muslims are and how the Americans are shit. And uh, yeah, that's they kind of use the the pubs like a therapist over there. Think a, I think a British pub would be a lot gloomier than an Irish pub, generally. But, uh, yeah, they kind of... Rather than the psychiatrist couch, it's the pub stool. And uh, that's the plot of Edgar Wright's third movie, uh, The World's End. Is it, it? It's just about a bunch of drunkards just going around and drinking it up. And, you know, like, guess what? Alcoholism isn't funny. Sorry, you know. Stop making your characters drunkards. I can't identify with them. <laughs> yeah, too many drunkards. I know. Irish are drunkards, too. But at least they're the fun kind. I know. Um, but yeah, this is just... So stupid. And... Uh, Edgar Wright... He is just... He's just bad. He's behind Scott Pilgrim. Uh, Scott Pilgrim being one of the stupidest series of anything. It's like Big or Diary of a Wimpy Kid. But uh, apparently some people actually think it's smarter than Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but it's not. And uh, Edgar Wright does the movie, of course. Uh, and his it, it looks so awful. But anywho, it is 4 o'clock, halfway through... So in just a moment, it's going to be what you've all been waiting for, the appearance of uh, Neil Gaiman's famous character, the Sandman. Before that, I'd like to open the floor to some questions. If anyone has any questions, feel free to leave them in the chat or say it out loud or whichever. Okay. EMC has a question. That is a lot of whiskey. Into whiskey. That is a lot, but I figure that's how much Edgar Wright and, and Simon Pegg down in one night, you know? Three flavors coronetto. How much more pretentious could you be than three flavors coronetto? Oh, I'm British. It's the Three Flavors Cornetto. Just call... Oh, it's also known as the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy. Here's an idea. Call it the Crap Trilogy. Will I be doing Thanksgiving-themed memes and such after Halloween? That's a good question. Yeah, I'll probably get a a good turkey meme in. I guess not. I don't eat turkey anymore either, because too close to chicken. Um... Maybe it'll be a, a, a living turkey, I don't know. Something like that. It's a good question, yeah. I'll probably do a thanksgiving theme meme. Probably. Yeah, I always try to try and get some seasonal memes in. That said, uh, the time has come, so feel free to discuss amongst yourselves while uh, Neil Gaiman's famous character, the Sandman, appears. So if you have any questions for him, get him ready. Because he is about to blow you away with his incredible powers of making people sleep and doze. Uh, He's the world's most exciting and interesting superhero. So please give a big welcome to Neil Gaiman's hilarious, crazy, wacky, so random and fun character, the Sandman. Hello. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hello. Who is this? Yes. Who is this? Mm, Who are you trying to reach? What number is this? Yes. What number is this? What number are you trying to reach? What number is this? Yes. I don't know. Well, I think you have the wrong number. I don't know. Hello. 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 I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. Hello. What up? It's me, the Sandman. I'm the deity. Of, I'm the deity of naps. I'm the spirit of sleeps. I walk around, and I deal out naps. In one of my hands, I got a bottle of Z-Quil, and the other, uh, I got some Tylenol PM. So what kind of questions do you have? I was created by Neil Gaiman, who's such a better cartoonist than Nicholas Cicada. He's also the world's greatest novelist and the world's greatest television executive. In case you were wondering. Wow. Yeah, I have a question. Um, if I'm struggling with insomnia, what's the best way to get to sleep? I suggest the Total Sandman Experience. I come in your window. And I got on th- this epic makeup. I got on all the goth stuff. And I say, I, 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 I go like this. I hold out my hand and I, I put my finger over my mouth and I say. <laughs> <laughs> And the sand just flows out of my hand, 'cause 'cause I'm so I'm so epic. I I am a mysterious entity. I I am the Sandman. I deal out the naps. I am weak, lacking my tools. Still, I imagine the texture of fabric against my skin, sculpted from dream space. It has been so long. There. A nightmare created to be the darkness and the fear of darkness in every human heart. A black mirror made to reflect everything about itself that humanity will not confront. I'm the Sandman. I am the entity of oh Nappy God. Time. I am the entity of Lullabies. the. I am the physical manifestation of not having insomnia. I'm what happens when you lay your head down and go Betty Bye, and I am I am the one of the greatest comics ever made. Your your um, comics definitely put me to sleep. That's for sure. I say, oh man, I I I am a figure of darkness and edginess. I I am I I am the king of I'm the king of naps. What do you do to people I'm, when when you put them to sleep? Do you like do you? Like, do you do anything to them? No, they just go to sleep. It might be a little, a little more intense than usual, but they will conk out. They will hit the hay. They will, they will, slam onto the mattress, and they will feel refreshed the next morning because they've had a complete, a complete circadian rhythm. Sandman, I have a question. What, are, what are your thoughts on my pillow? My pillow that's a good question. It works just about as good as my sand. My wor- my sand works a little better. Um but if my pillow will work, but my sand is uh, slightly more effective in conquering the the awakeness. I Who are your I, enemies, part, Sandman? Uh I hate Nicholas comics cause it's bad. I don't like the normal superheroes cause they're not emo enough. Um, I, I recently, the, the comic I'm in was made into an audio book, which you can listen to. If you're into some bedtime stories, you can listen to the story of how I was, uh, cool. And I put people to sleep and I said, I am the darkness of the night of the shadow of death. And, uh, I'm not Death, I'm not the Grim Reaper, I'm just Sleep. Um, I, I'm part of a, a group of chums called the Endless, and we get up to a lot of fun. Um, we we all represent something different. I represent Sleep. Then, left to right down there, we got Mr. Chunky, uh, M- Miss Emo, my wife. Uh, we have, of course, Big Book. We have redheaded Wolverine. We got a uh, lady in the red cl- suit, and then we got um. Was that Carmen got, San Diego? It is Carmen San Diego, yeah. And um, the 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 eight deities of uh, seven deities of space and time. That's uh, that's how it is. And we just sit wow. around. Every so often, I, I go down and I say, it's sleep time for you. There are a lot of fellas with insomnia, so I got I got to straighten that out. I got to make sure that they get their Z's in. I don't save people from burning buildings. I, I don't have x-ray vision. I, I can't climb the walls. I can just throw my sand at them, and they'll go Betty bye So, yeah i I am the p- greatest comics of all time i am my comic is so much better than the other ones. I am in a comic strip for intellectuals um, i'm my comic is so smart you won't even know what hit you i am I am a complete I'm a complete enigma wow. so yeah. Yeah, I I am so mysterious and emo. I am the yeah, ultimate being of the night. Yes, yes. So that's about it. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was it was interesting, I got to say. But Neil Gaiman is a genius, and Nicholas Cicada will be sorry. He tempered in the affairs of Neil Gaiman, because Neil Gaiman rocks. He's the best. He's so smart. Wow. I think the whole chat just got put to sleep. Hello? I just can't believe that the Sandman graced us with his presence. Oh, hey, Nicholas, you just missed the Sandman. Oh, darn, I did. Well, I don't know. Uh... I did miss the Sandman, darn. He's an interesting guy. He says, Oh, wow. I, you know, I don't know. This cover, this is what really draws the people in, uh, are the covers, you know, because one thing I've noticed is that people talk a lot about um, how a cover, you know, that's what draws the, the reader in. I think that's that can be good to an extent. But I think the thing about a lot of a lot of comics is that the covers look really cool, and then you open up the comic, and it's drawn like any other comic. It it could be drawn in the style of the cover, but it but it's not. It's drawn in a completely different style, and uh, the Sandman is a great example of this phenomenon, this dishonest advertising, because you know, unlike with with novels, where where the where the where the cover has to be kind of interesting, but not necessarily deceptive. Um, with uh, the Sandman, you know, you, Neil Gaiman especially loves to do this. He just says, it, "It's uh, it's you know, it's gonna look like this. This is the cover of uh, Sandman. He he gets this big uh, oil painter, this big." Matisse, you know, the super-duper, oh, man, it's gonna be a frickin' romp. And, you know, I can't say that if I s- saw this in a comic book shop, I wouldn't check it out. Like, look at the guy. He looks cool. He actually, I gotta say, but that's because Neil Gaiman didn't draw this. He just hired someone else to draw it and say, oh, man, it's Sandman, Master of Dreams. And then you 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 go inside... And uh, it looks like this. Like, look at these freaking Like, it, it, it could be written in... in it could be drawn in, in that kind of style. That looks nice, you know? I, I gotta say, the Sandman's looking pretty fresh. It looks like shit. It It is a little too blurry. That is with his motif of being sleepy. Being all... But then you open it up... And it's all these crappy cartoon people, like holy shit, this is an embarrassment. But yeah, this is the inside. Uh, these freaking just freaking like you know caricatures. It's like I was promised the freaking master of dreams, and it's all these like this doesn't look any different from college buddies. You got the big noses, the big eyes, big mouths, you know. But oh man. It's, it's Neil Gaiman, so he's got to be epic, you know. Neil Gaiman probably didn't even draw this. He probably just wrote it. Uh, it's the same with Alan Moore, you know. He 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 didn't draw Watchmen. Uh, he just wrote it. Uh, that's how it generally goes, you know. Can't draw and write a comic. Uh, guess what? You can if you're talented. But Alan Moore... Uh, everyone talks about how long and detailed the script for Watchmen is, and they use this like uh, as evidence that he was so smart. Uh, that just means he's schizophrenic. If he's if his if his script for a comic is like a thousand pages, you wasted your effort, my guy. Uh, if if you really have that much of a vision for your comic, draw it yourself. <clears throat> But yeah, it says uh, Neil Gaiman just writes it, so he's not even he doesn't, he doesn't even draw this shit. But uh, you know, I think that's very that's very dishonest, you know, because it says you know the Sandman's artists include Sam Keith, Mike Dringenberg, Jill Thompson, Sean McManus, Mark Hempel, Michael Zulai. It's like it's like whoever's heard of those people as much as Neil Gaiman? I don't think anyone, uh, but they draw the whole story. Now, that's admirable. I'm not going to say it's not, even if it is just a shit story. I think the comic industry suffers from the problem of there being a writer and an artist. It, they should be the same person, or it won't be a very good very good comic. Um, uh, that's what leads to Watchmen and Sandman feeling disjointed and, and weird, because the person who wrote the stuff isn't drawing the stuff. And uh, you can make the excuse that, oh, Neil Gaiman doesn't know how to draw. Alan Moore doesn't know how to draw. Uh, If you don't know how to draw, don't go into comics, because comics are about art. Sorry. You also also have to know how to write. You have to know how to do both, because comics are writing and art. So you have to know how to do both if you want to get into comics. Uh, but yeah one fella says that I'm I'm ne- jealous of the epic talent that is Neil Gaiman. I'm not jealous. Uh I I just hate to see someone pushing an inferior product, that's all. Uh critics and consumer advocates basically the same career, you know. Uh if, if weren't if, if wasn't for Roger Ebert studios could get away with anything. They could push all kinds of crap. Gene Siskel, Leonard Moulton, you know. Important guys, underappreciated, underrated, just like Ralph Nader. You know, pushes back against big tobacco, make sure every product is working and safe. And he's not celebrated as much as he should be. I I think of Ralph Nader every time I put on my seatbelt, and I thank him. Ralph for it. Nader is a is a great guy, and when someone criticizes a work of art that, that's too popular, it's the same thing. It's an inferior product. Uh, I think Ralph Nader's good, and I think criticism is an underrated profession. I think, I think it's necessary for a healthy market. But anywho, uh, I was gonna read another funny thread from a guy. So whenever the trolls try and you know uh, report me to Reddit, they really gloat about. It. They're like, "Oh shit, you're gonna get banned!" Uh, as if I would care. This is what we know so far of the new troll subreddit. It uh, It's probably one of the private ones. Either that or he's just making it up, which I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but this screenshot does look kind of convincing. Uh, there is a... One of the... Uh, I think the text link says, Chat up the bartender. Um uh, and he shared like three screenshots of it, but he always blocks out the relevant information. Uh, and he says there's 200 people on there, but we have no way of knowing because the screenshot doesn't include the number of people. I I'd I'd, I'd estimate it's around five people in there because they got to be tired of it by now. Uh, this interesting. Thread, which is so repetitive, but every time one of these trolls says this stuff, they think that they're like being groundbreaking and so witty and clever. Oh, man, I'm a genius, Uh, as if I haven't heard all this drivel before. So uh, I post this hilarious cartoon of Mark, the Nicholas Comics-hating troll. Mark is looking fly in this one. Uh, He says, I post this to rap cans to let them know what I'm up to. I say, he says, you know why I got to say everything and do everything away from public scrutiny. It's not because I'm a bigoted liar. It's because I'm a persecuted journalist. And uh, this is the, this is exactly what the trolls do. They'll say. Oh, I don't want to have to stay anonymous and private, but like, we're not committing hate crimes. It's just because you could attack us if we let you know what we're up to. Because, uh, you know, they just want to say things uh, without any consequences, which. Uh, so then I say, you fellas really ought to quit while you're ahead. And uh, the gay Pusheen, who, you know, his username's kind of homophobic, says, The last post in this subreddit is 19 days ago, and before that was a month ago. You're not relevant anymore, Nick. We all have lives. Go get one yourself. Uh, And this fellow, coincidentally 19 days prior, 19 days isn't that long, posted, Anybody know what Nick has been up to recently? Where he asks, I know most of us don't even like to think about him, but like what happened, if anyone knows. Also, I noticed many imposters of him trying to act as him, but which is his newest account? He says, any news about Nick will help. So then I offer the news, and he's like, you're not relevant anymore. I think if the news had come from a biased troll, he'd he'd have been more responsive to it. But uh, I, I actually told him what I've been up to. You know, he asked. So then I say. I have a life, sir, but you did ask what I'd been up to recently, so I figured I should let you know. Since we last spoke, I've released a full 15-story sci-fi anthology, a full album, and I've got a sketch comedy show slated for 2021. Hope that answers your question. It is pretty sad that this Rabcans community can't exist without uniting in hatred against me, but I hope you're willing to put our differences behind you and enjoy all the fine content Nicholas Comics has to offer. We aim to please, and that's the Nicholas Comics Guarantee. So then this fellow, affectionate, leg two says, You have a life? A sad and pathetic one. Ha ha ha. You're only being the most productive person on the Internet. Ha, ha. Yeah. Shoving out content that nobody enjoys. Ha, ha. So then he shares this screenshot, which is, uh, I think, the first one he sent. Hello, all. Tonight's topic will be your stories of the trolls. Share his abuses, threats, and general stupidity here. And uh, I'm thinking this one's definitely a fake, because nobody is upvoting this 147 times. No one gives a shit. I-, I think what happened here is the gay pushing says, you're not relevant anymore. He doesn't give a shit anymore. If he didn't give a shit, he shouldn't have asked. But I really think they've moved on, and maybe these things are Photoshopped. Either that or they are one of the private subs. If if it does exist, it's one of the private subs I'm offering a free copy of Mr. Grapefruit Number 1 to anyone who can crack in there, get some screenshots, and let us all know what the trolls are up to, because they can't be up to anything, anything good. So anyway, I say, I'm starting to think these screenshots of yours are fake, sir. Just a hunch. It's okay if you want to remain in denial forever, but that isn't very healthy. I would suggest taking some antipsychotics or something of the sort. Then perhaps you'll feel less bitter about the world around you and come to appreciate and respect those who accomplish great feats in the art industry. Maybe see a shrink. Pusheen here says you've moved on, but it doesn't seem you have. 229 comments on that post, and Pusheen says, I'm not relevant anymore? You fellas aren't very consistent. Am I worth obsessing over, or aren't I? Do you want to spend your life harassing cartoonists? It's not a wholesome hobby. So then this fellow says, Pusheen says you're not relevant, and he's quite right. But we're not obsessing over you, Troll. We're making fun of you. You can call it fake if you want, but you're wrong. You're just not worth the effort. And Pusheen isn't in this up. You always love to make everything about you, don't you? You tell yourself it's fake if you want to. You live in a fantasy world anyway. You should... Stop being in denial, and you should take some antipsychotics. you know? We're not harassing you either. We're just making sure you can't harass other people like you did to us. You spent months of your life popping up and harassing us here and there every time you got banned. You were always so fixated on us like the desperate for attention troll you are. Well, talking to you always gets us nowhere, so I'm not going to say anything further than this. But I'll leave you with a link to ColoradoCrisisServices.org because I'm so mentally damaged. Uh, that's that's another old that's another old gag they love pulling. they'll, they'll link me to some kind of psychiatric service because oh man, I'm bonkers off the wall. And uh, one fella actually went to the trouble to physically send me a list of psychiatric institutions nearby. Um. That was that was early on. I think I made an episode of Feces Pieces about. It. I think it was the first episode of Feces Pieces. So insulting, so condescending. And this fellow in the same com the same comment. First says that he he's running this giant hate sub where everyone makes fun of me, and then links to a psychiatric help website. Like, yeah, he's not concerned with mental health. Like, who's he trying to fool? Who's your, uh, you know, like. Don't harass mentally ill people. How about that? But I guess you know, oh, so funny, I'm so funny and wacky. Uh, oh no, this is the first screenshot of the subreddit. So there's three all together that we have. This looks exactly the same as BNS. You know, the same old repetitive bullshit. Is he a troll or just stupid? I'm. I'm. I. I got a full dichotomy up in this as uh, So yeah, same old bullshit. As there were on BNS. I don't know. It, it's the right fonts. Those are the right fonts. I know. Uh, I know those fonts aren't all on MS Paint. So It's either a very good hoax. Or they are using the private subs. Which uh, I've tried. None of these show up on search results. So I'm definitely thinking it's either. R slash Nicholas Comics Review. R slash Nick is a troll. Or uh, R slash. Uh, what is it? Uh, Nicholas Comics are Nicholas Comics are Trash. Nick's Kate is a troll. Nicholas Comics are trash. Nicholas Comics Review. All three of them are fake. All three of them are private, which means you can't see who's a moderator on them. If, if someone makes a comment on them, it won't show up on their profile. They got it down pat. But uh if anyone's interested in a little espionage, don't harass these fellas. Don't don't tell them how crap they are. Just go in, take some screenshots. And you'll win a free copy of Mr. Grapefruit, number one. Because the one thing these trolls really hate is uh, having to uh, having to answer for wh- what they do and say. So that's what they don't like. They, they love hiding behind anonymity. So anyhow, I say, you have such a strange victim complex, sir. You believe I've wronged you and tormented you. I'll tell you one thing, sir. If two hundred of you were clustered together to make fun of me, you must have very empty lives. Here you claim I have no life, but look at yourself. Picking on some poor autistic fellow. This is morally bereft, sir, not to mention a waste of your time. What's your end game, sir? Do you think I'm going to click that link to rectify mental issues I don't possess? Do you think I'll quit posting? Do you think you can insult me enough that I'll abandon my career? It's not going to happen, sir. I will keep posting for years and years until I rise to the top of the comics game. And even once I'm famous, I'll post on Reddit if I want to. You don't scare me, sir. The Nicholas Comics Army is the fastest-growing army on the Internet. If you and your chums feel the need to bully me to get your feelings out and process your hectic mental patterns, and that's fine by me. But I'd really prefer if you made this little sub of yours public. It might add credibility to your cause. Most people who do things behind walls aren't exactly reputable, you know. So then this little moron says TL semicolon DR. And then he links, he, he relinks to Colorado ColoradoCrisisServices.org because I am complete whack. I'm frickin' Norman Bates up in this his ass. So then I say, you don't read much, do you? You never take the time to consider the other side's perspective. That makes perfect sense, sir. You're not very literate, and as far as intelligence goes, you're m- remarkably bereft. Go on, sir, send me that link a hundred times if it makes you feel more mentally stable. I'm Dudley Stone, and you're the assassin. You have no courage, sir. You're devoid of spirit, and you take out your anger on those with talent. Have at me, sir. I don't give a shit. You're the buffoon of the world and the jester of a hundred nations. And then he says... Oh, and wouldn't you just know it? You got banned again. Nicholas, the spam spewing troll, has had yet another account banned by Reddit. What is that like? 150 accounts you've gone through now? Troll. You need this Colorado You know, because I'm Leatherface, I guess. <laughs> Halloween themed. Um. So, yeah, whenever whenever they ban me, whenever they report my content to Reddit in this massive hate campaign, this massive smear campaign, they're like, Woohoo, I got you banned. I I said you get banned and man, you got banned like I actually care. They think that I, I care when I get banned, like guess what? If you get banned 300 times, you stop caring. I don't give a shit, you know, just a little bump in the road. I don't need a stable account. Cowards. So then I say, uh, "Oh, there's another thread." I say, "I say on uh, the post where Pushkin asks, you know, what I've been up to, because he does ask. I, I think he's legitimately curious." I say, "This is me." How are things going? I eh? hope you and the rest of the Rabcans are doing good. You know, I want to spread some spread some positivity amongst them because they seem like pretty sad and empty people. And then this fella says, This isn't you anymore. Nuked again, troll. And then he says, At least the new sub is killing it. And I say, It sure is killing it. This new sub kills the last shred of legitimacy your little hate group could ever have sustained. The fact that you've got to hide your bullshit rhetoric behind a private wall is proof enough that you're cowards without a scrap of truth in you. One hundred comments, good lord. Then this fellow says, Cowards. Not at all. As the saying goes, you can't troll what you can't find, Nikki. You could never leave BNS alone. You're obsessed with it. Almost every day you're spamming the sub and posting and sending hateful messages and death threats. You have no respect for rules or other people in general, so we're simply denying you the ability to attack us all the time. We're up to over 200 members now, and you'll never find us. And hate group, far from it. We just chronicle your abuses, threats, and spamming history. The only one who can't see the truth is you, spammer. You live in a sad, pathetic world of your own making. Anyway, tough for now. You got banned again, troll. Oh, and hey, check this one out. You're missing out on a rollicking good time, fella. So then I say, it really doesn't look like I'm missing out on much. All you fellas seem to do on this fictional sub is talk about how awful I am. That doesn't sound like a rollicking good time. It sounds like a toxic hate group. I'm beginning to have my doubts over if this thing is real or not. I search it up and nothing shows. Perhaps this screenshot is a look into your demented mind where you're popular and everyone agrees with you. And you have loads of chums. I really don't know, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. If this magical 200-person subreddit of yours is real, it's far sadder than if it was all a delusion. Because you're committing actual time and effort to a lost cause. The facts stand. You are a coward, or particularly insipid one, and you're probably 14. And I hope sometime you become a better person. Perhaps then you'll be ready to send in for some of my high-quality comics. Nicholas Comics. They're the tops. So yeah I pretty much I pretty much got them because uh, the one thing you can't stand is uh, having to talk to me that's unbearable cannot stand that They always cite these instances where I harassed them I think they I think they're more referring to like a time where I would say "Hey wanna buy a comic and they're like Oh, shit, a comic? I can't have that. No way. Uh... But, yeah, there are a lot of yucky fellas on there. Rabcans. Uh, if you want to lead as to who to contact to get on the new sub, I would suggest you uh, a user by the name of Ellie Hates Me. She's a sub. She's a moderator on one of the subs. Uh, I believe Nixcate is a troll possibly all of them. Uh so she's you could you could pm her and say hey I want in the sub and I want I want I want on cuz as as affection says there are at least 200 people on here so odds are they won't notice uh one extra member. Don't post on there, don't interrupt their discourse. They're you know, they're jiving out. They're having a fun time attacking my reputation, so you know, don't say anything mean. Just get in there, grab some screenshots, let the world know what uh, what's about. And the first person to do that can win a free copy of Mr. Grapefruit 1. So, that sounds like your cup of tea. Free comic. Uh, go for it. But yeah, uh, it's uh, Affectionate Leg 2, I believe. Probably because Affectionate Leg 1 was banned. But yeah, those are two fellas we know belong to this hate sub if it does exist. Anywho, is currently 434 is about half an hour left, and there are three people on this week. I'm thinking we might be in for a trivia question at the end of this one. Um, you see, I already gave away a copy of Herman the Hitchhiker number one. Uh, oh, Shade one. I was going to give away Shade one as a prize. That's quite the prize. Uh, free copy of Shade number one. Uncut. Uh, the full the full issue. So whoever can answer the trivia question at the end of this week's Q and A. But before that, I'd like to make a quick note on uh, the ring because I hear all the time about how how great Black Mirror is, and I don't understand that because Black Mirror is just the Twilight Zone, but not good, and with with smartphones. Uh, the Ring is a great example of technological horror done right, because it, it, in the, by the time it came out in 2002, there were already DVDs. So you know, VHS was on the way out, but they use DV they use VHSs anyway because VHSs are, are way cooler than DVDs and way scarier. Uh, DVDs, it says here. Uh, Yeah, 1996. The Ring was 2002. So, you know, obviously they already had DVDs, but VHSs are a lot scarier. I think that's something a lot of people miss out on. The key to a good technological horror where technology is involved is to use old technology, because in the same way that, you know, uh, an old building evokes fear, or, uh, you know, an old... uh, You know, an old you know, a, a decrepit, abandoned location of Oaksphere, I'd say there's nothing spookier than an obsolete media format. I don't think VHS is obsolete. I think it's the best media format of all time. I think VHS can preserve media unlike any other format out there. Uh, and I, I I, really want to get all my MP4s onto VHS and preserve them in a physical capacity because VHS is the best at doing that. But that said, I think VHSs are under are are underappreciated in horror. the The thing about uh, Black Mirror, which really boggles my mind, is that modern technology isn't scary because it's all connected, you know. Uh, and there's nothing scary about being being interlinked with you know other stuff. The really great thing about a VHS tape is anything can be on it. Uh, anything can anything can Beyond there, you know, unless it's labeled, and even sometimes the labeled ones have something different than what you'd expect. That's what's great about VHS is it's an isolated format; you can't connect it to anything. You know, it just runs on its own. So if you find a VHS tape, it could have anything on it. That's that's the appeal of VHS tapes, and it's so underused in horror. And what's really interesting is you can you can record a movie on on a vhs you can uh film it digitally and then convert it to vhs and it'll look great and it'll look spooky and it'll look way better than any other horror movie i think that's also to an extent the appeal of the blair witch project imagine if that shit was shot on an iphone it looks stupid because iphones iphones they're too high quality and they can pick up everything you know, the Blair Witch Project is good because it's got the grainy footage. It's got the low-quality camcorder up in that his Uh Black Mirror is stupid. Artificial intelligence does not scare me. I don't think robots can think at all, and even if they do, so what? And I, I, It's just not a scary concept. I, I think what's far scarier is a little demon child crawling out of the VHS tape. That's that's some spooky shit. Uh, VHS VHS type horror, you know. If I want if I want a horror movie, I want I want it to look like a VHS tape. I don't want none of that high quality, high res stuff. I think that's why The Ring is so good because it uses it uses outdated technology, uh, technology that was outdated even when it was released. You know, uh, you got all these cool stacks and, and, and stuff, and it looks really good. It looks, it looks, it looks spooky, you know, uh, on average, there's nothing, there's nothing scary about VHS. It's an excellent format and it's not prone to rot and disintegration like DVD is, um, the ring could be seen. As anti-VHS propaganda, but I see it as like kind of a love letter to VHS because, you know, such cool things can be on a VHS tape. There is a really underrated horror movie just called VHS. I never hear any, anyone talking about this as much as they do Black Mirror, but it's an anthology movie. And uh, it looks it looks epic, you know. Apparently there's, there's two sequels and uh, neither of them are very good. But the first one from what I hear is pretty chill. It's a pretty chill. It's a pretty chill watch. I'd like to I'd like to buy it sometime, but I wouldn't want to buy it on on DVD. I'd want to buy it on VHS, so I hope there's a VHS copy out there somewhere cuz uh, VHS looks way better than DVD. Uh, wouldn't that be like the best way to market this movie, make VHSs of it? I think that's I think I think if if they didn't put this movie on some VHSs, I think they missed out on a giant opportunity. Uh, you know, just like why wouldn't you? Uh, release. Yeah, it says the film was released on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital download. Maybe that's why it's uh, why it's underrated because it's a good movie, but they didn't know how to market it if you release the vhs movie on vhs that'll sell more uh, rest assured that would have been the ultimate gimmick you know there are some movies that uh that sell on vhs and they're not even vhs themed uh, but yeah the rings is really good because it 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 understands what makes old type technology more scary than new technology and that's why its its sequel-slash-reboot rings was a massive failure. Because, believe it or not, phones aren't scary. Uh, can you imagine if the ring was about TikTok? Oh, man. So spooky. It's the frickin', it's frickin Twitter monster. Like, nah, it's not spooky. Some VHS. You know, that's that's the stuff. That's where it's at. Um at any rate, so i got to find a trivia question for the end here. But uh, I I recently realized that all I'd need to convert uh, MP4 to VHS is just a uh, an HDMI to AV cable. So if I sell enough comics, I might be buying one of those and then I can sell the best of Nicholas Comics content. On VHS's. How cool is that? They'll have cases and everything. It it should be pretty epic. Um, that said. So you can look forward to that in the near future. I'll be making copies of my stuff on VHS. And mailing it off. Uh, let me see. Trivia question. While we're waiting for the trivia question. If anyone has any. Uh, has, any um, has any inquiries. Feel free to. Plop them down. Feel free to ask them. Okay, I think I got a pretty good, pretty good trivia question. Last ten minutes here, we're gonna. Ooh, it's got to be something, something that. Uh, You could answer if you hadn't read College Buddies, but your odds of answering it are better if you've read College Buddies. This week's trivia question is a College Buddies question. and Okay, I think I got the trivia question. So, uh, another question. Anything happened recently... With the other trolls like Weak Ass or Nick Shakira. No, they have knocked it off. They have completely disappeared off the face of the earth, which there is really no other way. Cause I mean you impersonate someone for long enough, you, you start realizing that there's no point in it. But yeah. They they have just stopped. I I I don't know. You know. I think they were really determined at first, but then they realized that they were going to fail. So they're like, nah, this ain't it, chief. I'm done with this, you know. Um, and they're, they're Weak-ass comics isn't even the first one to pretend to be me. Uh, there have there have been a lot of fellas over the over the years who have said, man, I'm Nicholas Akeda. These comics are mine. He ripped them off from me or some shit. Uh, but they're always proven wrong because they don't have the original copies, and I do, sorry. Uh, it's, it's hard to commit identity theft with someone who's as open about details as I am, who discloses pretty much everything. Uh, I'm honest and straightforward, and these other fellows are full of shit. But yeah, it's been a month since there was a video from Nick Shakira, so I would say she's pretty much uh, dropped off the planet. No more of that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's really bizarre. These fellas fellas go in swinging and they come out losing. And they say that that I've lost, but I haven't because I'm still posting and they're not. Oh, yeah, they deleted their account. Uh, Some fellas accuse me of deleting my accounts, which I never do. Uh, Reddit just suspends them. But yeah, this is what it looks like when someone deletes their account. It says, this user has deleted their account, not page not found, or this account has been suspended. Uh, so there's three ways that a Leroy account can look. I, I know Reddit better than probably anyone else who uses Reddit because I've had the opportunity to view the inner workings of it multiple times over. Uh But that said, it's currently 4:46. So if anyone has any questions, uh, Halloween-themed or otherwise, go ahead and ask them. My opinion on a horror movie or something—I've seen quite a few. I've seen all the classics. Favorite Halloween candy? Could I? Good question. You know, there's there's the regulars. There's uh, you know there's there's uh, you know Snickers and Reese's. There's you know Twix and Kit Kat and all the mainstream ones. I'd say the best Halloween candy is you know an obscure type one. Necco wafers, Chico stick. You know one of those. I get those. I'm like, wow, you know that's a that's a that's a change of pace. You know. I gotta say I like Chico sticks. Hence why uh, Chico sticks feature my classic meme a chevy chase near the pillars of creation with a large chico stick uh, he's holding a big old chico stick gotta say gotta say butterfinger ain't got nothing on a chico stick uh, very underrated candy there's a lot of underrated candies idaho spud old faithful chuckles uh, i have a whole puzzle of old candies from the 70s that look pretty pretty neat uh, but that said, it's four forty-seven. Any other questions? You can wait till four fifty. Exactly ten minutes to answer the trivia question. Yeah, uh, say it's been an interesting, uh, spooktacular episode. That's interesting stuff went on this week. Quite a bit of drama. It doesn't seem the trolls have given up. They are some. They are some stubborn fellas, but their their destructive ec- efforts will always will always fail when compared to my constructive efforts. I create. They destroy. I create. They destroy. Eventually, they're going to have to get tired of destroying because it's not a productive lifestyle. Four forty-eight. Two minutes until the trivia question. You're going to win shade number one great noir mystery. Uh, it's in the style of the shadow. If you like the shadow, you like shade. He's basically a rip-off, but not really. He's, he's my own character. Because there were a lot of cool characters back in the day. Uh, some fellows accused me of uh, hating on Pulp Fiction just because uh, it, it, it confuses Google results. I don't just hate Pulp Fiction because... Uh, when you search Pulp Fiction on Google, all that comes up is the movie Pulp Fiction. I hate Pulp Fiction because it has nothing to do with Pulp Fiction aside from the fact that Uma Thurman's reading Pulp Fiction on the cover, and it really shadows out a cool genre that goes that goes and that goes overlooked in today's modern age. And I think Pulp Fiction is the shit. I read a good Pulp Fiction, I feel great. You know, Pulp Fiction is where it's at. Same goes for fifties uh, horror comic books. You know. Lots of great pulp fiction out there. It's the same with Grindhouse. Quentin Totino says, hey, I'm going to make a Grindhouse movie better than the Grindhouse people can so that their movie won't sell, but mine will. And he goes to his friend, Robbie Rodriguez, and he's like, hey, how'd you like to take advantage of a genre that already exists? And Robbie Rodriguez is like, yeah, we have millions of dollars, but let's make it look like we only have 5,000 and drown out the people who actually make $5,000 movies. Um, that's how you get Planet Terror and Death Proof right there. Yep. Kill, kills low-budget movies by pretending to be a low-budget movie, but actually it's a high-budget movie. That's Quentin Totino's favorite thing. It is 4.50. And it is trivia time. So, here, uh, here, here is, uh, this week's trivia question this comes from college buddies Fourth, a soror spooky Christmas holiday and it is what musician uh, does snob impersonate to impress the soror there's your there's the question what two musicians uh, there's two musicians he he uh, impersonates actually. So if you if you guess either one, you would be you'd win the thing. So whoever answers first with the correct musicians, uh, which musicians does Snob impersonate in College Buddies for? You don't have to answer both, but just one will do. Um, to impress Jaundice and Phyllis. Um. Uh, Ted Nugent, nope, interesting guess, but no Peru. interesting guess, I gotta say, uh, anyone else, we got Buddy and JG in here, three fellas is enough for a, an interesting trivia competition. So if you think you know the answer, just type it in or say it or type it in or whatever, and uh, you can win shade number one. Can I give a hint? Ooh. Uh, one of them is the sort of guy you would expect the, the frat to, to pretend like, and, and one of them is, is, a, is a musician you wouldn't expect them to. Um, that's kind of a hint. So, answer either one. Not Elton John. Hmm. Getting kind of kind of close. Gotta say, no more hints. Oh oh oh. We got. We got uh, an absolute race to the finish line here. 4.52, eight minutes left. Buddy and JGN, you might want to chime in because EMC might take home the bacon here. George Michael, no. Sorry. Not George Michael. I think we've had complete straight wins on the trivia question up until now. So i say it would be pretty interesting if... uh, if someone didn't guess it before time ran out, seven minutes left. Someone else might want to give it a try. You could win, uh, not Boy George. Interesting, the Wham guy. Huh? I can see why you'd think that kind. Huh. Careless whisper. <laughs> hmm. Liberace. That's an interesting guess, but no. Nope. Oh boy. That might have been too big a hint. But uh no, you can definitely guess it. You're on the you're on the right track. You're you're getting close. You're getting kinda warm. So Ah, uh, George Michael. They probably would like George Michael. I know. Might. Uh, got Do other fellas in here? You're free to guess if you want. Um. Six minutes left. I was really hoping someone would walk away with a fresh copy of Shade Number no. One this week's Halloween spooktacular. Hopefully next week there are more fellas in here because when there's more fellas, the competition's more heated. The desire to win that free comic is always at its peak. You know, everyone. Everyone's chomping at the bit. So, yeah, you want to win a free comic. There ain't no better way to do that than with the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Because as a lot of fellas have said, the comics are kind of pricey, and you don't want to always commit to sending in, so you can win a free comic. Clay Iken. Now, you're going a little too obscure here. I'll say that. That's all I can say. Uh, Clay Iken. Nope. Clay Iken. He's a political candidate, huh? Lots of obscure celebs, you know, but uh it's you, you'd kick yourself if you didn't win this one. I, I can say that. You would be shocked to tears. Uh you would be You would be completely decimated by the fact that you did not did not guess it. Uh I do a good Dalek impersonation, I guess. Aua. Oh, uh. Freddie Mercury got it. Good job. Freddie Mercury. Excellent guess. I knew you'd get it four minutes before time ran out. Everyone give him a big hand. He wins shade number one. Uh, he is the first fella to read the epic noir tale of Shade and his crazy noir adventures because he guessed Freddie Mercury. That does happen in College Buddies number one. Uh, that 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 happens. Uh, he, he is both Freddie Mercury and Eminem. So. Pretty interesting. Four sec, four minutes before the time runs out, I will post a panel on this sequence because it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I th- I think College Buddies is a good gay comic. You know, I can I can picture it being a homosexual classic a few a few uh, years from now. You know, The gay fellows will want to read it because you know it's about it's about homosexuality and whatnot. Very topical. Might not be topical then, you know. It's kind of late 2010s. I'd say it's one of the best statements on homosexuality in the late 2010s. But that said, yes, a snob uh, pretends to be Freddie Mercury and uh, impersonation of a Dalek. Uh, but yeah, here's here's a panel from that. So. If you've read Nicholas Comics, you can win free Nicholas Comics. That's the appeal of the trivia question. It challenges your knowledge of the Nicholas Comics universe. Uh, there's his little performance there. He's, he's got the broken music notes, of course. Because he's a bad singer. He's incompetent. That said, it's been one heck of a spooktacular. Uh, it covered all the bases, on of the dead Sandman, all that. The Ring. Lots of interesting stuff to talk about this Halloween, you know. Always fascinating. And uh, if all you know about zombies is Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead's, as my copy pasta calls him, I would suggest watching George A. Romero's Dead Trilogy, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Day of the Dead, because then maybe you'll realize that uh, zombies are best when they're scary, and they could be a comedy but to date there hasn't been a funny zombie comedy made because you know zombies are supposed to be spooky and they're best when they're spooky night of the living dead is perfectly great because uh, it tries to be scary and that's how i want my zombies i don't want some freaking british guys being like "Oi, mate it's a zombie it's bloody disgusting oh man and Sean's friend Ed, he has a t shirt that says, I got wood. A ah, phallic humor, nothing better than that, right? Huh? Always fat and funny, ha <laughs> ha. And Sean uses a cricket bat. Not a baseball bat, mind you, a cricket bat. So I think he's going to get numbed up. I think these zombies are going to take him out because uh, all he's got is a cricket bat, which is the you know, the weak version of a baseball bat. So, Gosh, film studies use Shaun of the Dead as an example of a transnational comedy. I wouldn't use it as an example of that. I'd use it as an example of modern-day British imperialism. You know, the Brits saying, I'm watching an American movie. It's British over here. Up in this is as. Let's watch this British guy and his zombies... You know, no stakes, because Brit- If Britain got invaded by zombies, it wouldn't affect the world, because they're an island. Uh, if, it, if if they invade America, or China, or you know, uh, Europe, that that might be cool. European zombies. That hasn't been done yet, as far as I know. I guess there is a zombie in Italy, so that might be that might be a good watch. Zombie, much cooler than Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead can suck it, and I hope he gets gutted alive by those flesh eaters and that said it is five o'clock it has been a great spooktacular and uh thanks to everyone who tuned in this will be up soon uh just exciting stuff overall i'm i'm glad i got to say my two cents and great the uh, the absolute hack that he is interesting cuban great great stuff happy halloween and next week's Q&A will be on Saturday, as always. I look forward to seeing some of that, and Shade number 1 is going off. So, yeah, first copy of Shade number 1 ever read. That's got to be some kind of achievement. Got to say, lots of stuff in the Nicholas Comics catalog that doesn't get read much. That said, that's about it. So, uh, spooky times. Everyone's incompetent up here You're responsible for what you do If your actions result in the death of another Don't hold us responsible Do you want to be on the show? Join the Nicholas Comics Discord server today I'll answer any questions you have and you can appear in the next episode Do you want to buy Nicholas Comics? Great to Nicholas 1424 Columbine Street, that's number one, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on, on the next episode. Stay at home, six feet apart. Keep these inconveniences in your life, because what you do doesn't have an effect on your health or anything. Absurd like that? Ha ha!